Beep boop. Rebooting the lateral show. A sideways look at fantasy football. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen it's, it's the lateral, lateral show. show. Fasten your seatbelts, cause, cause here, here we, we go. go. It's the Lateral Show with your hosts, Herms and McLateral. What's up, everybody? It is your boy, Herms, co-host of the Lateral Show, popping in at the beginning of this episode to tell you that we did have some audio issues with our guest, but it only popped up a couple times. It did not really take away from the quality of the episode that you were going to listen to from a content standpoint. So hold tight, sit through that if you're willing, and enjoy this episode of the Lateral Show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another edition of The Lateral Show, a sideways look at fantasy football. Follow us on Twitter at The Lateral F, 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 F. Wow, I messed that up. Oh, jeez. Oh, gosh, I'm just so nervous. My name is Herms on Twitter at Herms NFL. Oh, jeez. McLateral, you're here. Save the day. Please make this better. How's it going, people? Yeats and greets, seasons, eatings. It's officially uh, the silly season of uh, OTA and camp news. And apparently, according to my Twitter timeline, it's Jake Funk season because the Rams running backs are starting to drop like flies. And as a Maryland boy, I am all here for Jake Funk season. And as a Maryland boy, I know how short-lived that season's going to be. Um, things are going well. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I remember we tried to do this with Anthony McFarland as being like, oh, well, hey, if anything ever happens to the Steelers starter, the ball, and he's just like, never sees the field. We tried to do ever. it last year with Jake Funk. We've been That's also true. That's before. also, I swear to God, people just need to stop with this. It's so irritating. Oh, my gosh. So, okay, that's the lateral duo. You heard our voices, but we got a third one that you are about to hear. It is a very special voice. You know him from Fantasy Pros and also from the Fantasy Black Book. It is Mr. Joe Pizzapia himself. Hello. Yes, that's right. Guys, this is great. I'm excited to be here. This is my kind of room. The energy is palpable. I love it. Uh, I'm excited to be here, talk football with you guys and hanging out. And Herms, we go back a little ways now, hanging out at Fantasy Pros, doing some work together. So this is fun to be on the other side of this. I like this. I am someone else's guest. That is always a nice change of pace. So I'm in, baby. Let's go. 100% sometimes, you know, you got to talk about some fantasy football and talk to the pros. I'm not allowed to use that, that theme so song. Good. So, but yeah. it's so it's good. Fun. Take my job, Herms. Go ahead. It's all yours. <laughs> you going to take it away from me? He's getting uh, ready. Not not this week, but, you know, I, I will say, week. though. Maybe next week. We do have an episode kind of, you know, similar to some of the stuff you might be used to hearing if you're a fan of the Fantasy Pros podcast or kind of like a lot of other fantasy podcast the lateral is not very original i'm sorry it's it's all derivative we are going to go with some rankings disputes yeah okay so we i had a chance to sit down look at everybody's rankings kind of figure out just like well we're really far apart on this player or like well what are you thinking oh this is ridiculous you're ranking about and then we're just gonna do that about a bunch of different players and stuff we're all gonna argue so i have it paired up everybody gets to you know kind of we're gonna rotate you know one-on-one talking the smack doing the thing making your case and then the third person is gonna arbitrarily pick a winner because 
I don't know. It's fun that way. I mean, maybe there will be a point system that I'll implement halfway through. We'll figure it out. It's fine. It doesn't really matter the outcome. It's just about discussing some of these players for the 2022 NFL season. Uh, news and stuff. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna gloss over because it's just it's too sad right now. Just honestly, like just it, all I have to say on my soapbox, real quick segment. Uh, the Deshaun Watson thing has only gotten worse, and that guy is also the worst. So. There you go. That's the update on that. I, you know we'll what, Herms? I'll, I'll, I'll bail you out. I'll, I'll talk about it. It's amazing to me. It's like, okay, after 24 or 25, now we're outraged. I mean, after one, you should be outraged and upset about it. So to me, it's like, yes, obviously it's terrible. And then the more you add to it, it's terrible. I just feel like there's still a, a chance where you're going to still have this play out more like sometime next year than this year from the way things are lining up legally. And that just, you know, and, and look, I understand why that frustrates a lot of people, but for the fantasy football community, our job is very simple. We're not in the legal community. Our job is to try to give people good advice. And right now, until we hear something about Deshaun Watson, he's still in that guy who can really make a huge impact in some of your fantasy leagues. So you have to kind of give that advice. But at the same time, you, you know that some people are going to be out no matter what because of the situation, because they're on principle, which is fine. That's the way you want to play. You're entitled. This is your game. It's not a real game. It's a fake game. It's okay. And uh, on top of that, you know, for those of you who do want to go ahead and, and try to take some shares of Deshaun Watson, I understand that point of view also. So we got to serve everybody in that, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's not a good look for sure. And uh, hopefully we'll have some sort of clarity, but I don't know, man. Uh, I feel like that clarity is going to come after this season. I don't know why. We'll see what happens. McLateral, as the smarter of the two of us, do you have anything that you would like to add? <laughs> oh, the mute. Oh, uh, see, if he was so smart, smart he wouldn't have his mute button I was on. literally about to say, by smarter of the two of us, we, of course, mean myself and Herms. We're not meaning Herms <laughs> and Joe. Peace me out. Rest assured. I took it as Herms and Joe, so I don't know. I mean, I wasn't offended. I just thought it was probably true. No, um, so I have to say, Deshaun Watson had already fallen pretty far down my ranks. We're not really going to get into it so i'll just say right now he's my qb 16 by the time i update my ranks um he's going to be far far down i just don't want to touch it and there is and we'll kind of get into this i think a little as we discuss more there's a lot of quarterback talent in the league there's actually there's a lot of talent in the league there's probably never been this much talent in the league we're seeing it in all sports you know soccer nba hockey as well like these guys these kids these people they are training from a very early age with very improved technology they know exactly what they're doing and so they're coming into the league like leaps and bounds ahead of where people used to be coming in the league so you got someone like Tua who I have as my QB 17 right behind Deshaun Watson like there is a pathway for Q to be a top 12 QB in this league no problem. He is surrounded by talent. He's not a total scrub. And so, you know, there are guys who I think you can take instead of Deshaun Watson that have less risk and you'll maybe be able to get better players elsewhere in your roster instead of using a pick on Deshaun Watson. Cause I imagine if he does go somewhere, he will go higher in your draft. So I get why some people may take him as well. I agree with Joe on that front. Uh, but I personally, I'm like, I'm out. You know, moral reasons aside, and my moral reasons are uh, also very strongly in mind, but I just, from a fantasy roster building standpoint, I just don't want to take the chance. 
I think I have him firmly as my quarterback 33. And for those of you keeping track at home, there are 32 teams in the NFL. I have the starters ranked, and then he is the best of the people that I do not think are going to play. If he ends up playing, he's going to go a lot higher because aside from the awful horribleness of what he does in his spare time, he's a very good football player. If he ends up playing, then yes, he'll go up. I think we got that pretty well covered unfortunately this is something we have to continue to talk about as it continues to unfold because the league has refused to step up and actually you know do anything and like enforce things and rules and stuff and suspensions like the league is supposed to do but whatever who am i um you want to talk about something fun instead does that sound like a good idea yes let's do try that let's, let's do that yeah i'm all for that Okay, let's roll over into some of these player debates and get into a quarterback that is seemingly considerably less problematic. That quarterback is Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals. It's there's there's a, there's a distance here in the in the in the ranks. All right, McLateral, you have him at check notes. QB four, Joey P, you are down there at QB nine. Last I checked on the website, you know, up to uh, fantasy. Uh, recently changed, everybody. Recently changed to eight, but close enough for sure. Yes. Oh, <laughs> we're still, oh, we're still too low. Right? I know one whole spot. Still All too right. low. Well, convince me otherwise. Let's go. All right. McLateral, it's on to you first. Tell well, him why he's wrong. Okay. So obviously we cannot simply copy and paste results year over year. If we could, this would be a very easy game. But if you look at the results from last year, the QB4 in points per game per fantasy pros, weeks one through 18 was Kyler Murray. He was scoring 22.18 points per game. And if you look at his stats, he still runs a fair amount for a quarterback, sure. But he's not running at the same level as someone like Jalen Hurts, like Lamar Jackson, guys where we're just like, they rely on their legs. Like that is the statement on them. And I think Kyler gets that rap as well to a degree. Not to say that Joe is necessarily, you know, of that mind, but I think there are a fair amount of people that view Kyler Murray as a running quarterback, a la Jalen Hurts, a la a Lamar Jackson. He passes plenty. Like, is it the most prolific passing offense in Arizona? No, but their pass yards are pretty high up there. They have weapons available on that offense. I'm not the most bullish on DeAndre Hopkins's potential impact this year regardless of the suspension i think he noticeably lost a step last year which to be fair was losing a step from possibly the best weapon in the game you know at one point at the wide receiver position you know he's no scrub by any means there's just so much potential between that offense between him connecting with a college wide receiver favorite of his which we have seen work to great success admittedly more for the wide receiver than the quarterback but like ask joey b how that went ask tua how that went like these guys are wanting to pair up with their boys from college and it's working and now he's going to get that in hollywood brown so i don't see a huge dip in expectation between gaining hollywood brown losing deandre hopkins for six games and now he's going to get deandre hopkins hopefully fresh for the second half of the season rather than losing him in the second half of the season to injury. So that second half dip we tend to see from Kyler and the Arizona team as a whole, I think may go away this year, which allows him to play stay pretty stable in my mind. And that's why I have him at QB four behind um, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. All right. Sounds pretty good. All right. I, I, I appreciate your perspective on this, but it's not a dispute without the other side of the dispute. So 
Uh, mm-hmm. Joey, why don't, why don't you go ahead yeah. and tell us your perspective? Well, first of all, there was some very, you know, cogent arguments there from Malcolm. I think they were all very valid, uh, very good. Uh, I think that the passing yards per game one that you brought up, I think that's slightly inflated by the pace of play because they are a team that runs a lot of plays. So if you start to marginalize that a little bit closer to, let's say, you know, the league average of pace of play, all of a sudden it's a little less impressive. My thing with Kyler Murray is it's not so much the talent. I I love the talent of Kyler Murray. And I was very bullish on him last year. Um, You know, in 2020, he played through some injuries. He got banged up. We remember that stretch where he, you know, I forget which offensive lineman it was, fell on top of him and his shoulder was not the same for a month. Uh, last year, missed a couple games. It's the frame and the size of Kyler Murray that worries me. And because of the same point that you just made, Malcolm, about all these guys and all this talent in the league, you don't have to take as much risk on, especially in a single quarterback league. So why would I do that? Yes, he's still going to run. Uh, and I'm the guy who does all the write-ups in the Black Book for the quarterbacks every year because I always believe if you understand the quarterbacks, you understand the offenses, and if you understand the offenses, then you're probably going to be pretty good in terms of fantasy. Those rush yards from 6.2 to 4.8, it's a big drop. Not having Hopkins for the first six weeks is huge because Hopkins is still an elite talent or an elite talent you have to guard for. Last year he wasn't healthy. I'm hoping for health this year. We shall see. I like the addition of Brown, but at the end of the day, I have a lot of concerns about, you know, the coaching staff, the game planning, and I don't like some of the things that are going back and forth in the organization too. So, you know, it seems to me like a very delicate situation with a player that I feel like senses that, you know, I might not be long for this league. I better get paid now and do everything I can to get paid. And when I'm looking at the guys ahead of him, it's more trying to make the argument. He is not in the Allen Mahomes, Herbert, Lamar Jackson tier. Uh, Tom Brady might be 105 years old, but he's still going to throw for, you know, close to 5,000 yards again, probably, and and <laughs> probably close to 40 touchdowns because he's unbelievable. And then you've got Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts in that conversation with Murray and, and Stafford. And I think that's where those guys get real close. So it's more just my personal preference of I'd rather take the pocket pass or Joe Burrow. Uh, I'd rather take the the big rushing quarterback of Jalen Hurst than somebody who kind of falls in between. So that's why Murray is eight for me. And look, Stafford's pretty safe as well. Uh, I think comes with a lot less injury risk, even though he's had some injuries in his career just because of the size and the frame of, of uh, Matthew Stafford. So again, it's not that I dislike Kyler Murray. It's just where he is, relatively speaking, to the other guys and the elite talents. I just don't think he's, I think he's closer to the back of this tier than he is to the top of it. All right. Okay. Very, very solid points being made on that one too. Oh, okay. Well, as the third wheel, I have to pick a winner arbitrarily. So if I am to pick a winner, uh, I don't know. Like it was, it was pretty good. So I'm just going to have to fall back on my tiebreaker in my mind. I was on fits on fantasy back in December at like the very, very end of the season. And I myself said that I was going to be out on Kyler Murray next year, but that was before the Marquise Hollywood Brown thing happened, and I really like Marquise Hollywood Brown, so therefore, uh, everyone wins because I can't decide. I really can't decide, and I think that's a pretty fair thing we can say about the Cardinals offense as a whole. We all kind of brought it up. You know, it's just like there are certain things that are going to be cool. There are certain things that are going to be different. Who knows how that works out? And, like, it's not just with the quarterbacks and the receivers. It's also with the running backs. We talked a lot about this with the fact that, hey, James Conner survived the offseason, but who's going to run behind him? Who knows? Is it going to be Darrell Williams? Is it going to be Keontae Ingram? I don't know. This whole offense is a mess. But it's a lot to think about. A lot to think about for sure. Um, I do, yes, I do think Joe yeah. brought up a really good point and one that I don't disagree with. And that is, while I have Kyler as my QB for, I'm not dying to draft him. 
and it's because of the price you have to pay for him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I would much rather take Jalen Hurts, my QB6, who I can get much cheaper. Kyler, compared to the wide receivers and running backs, but particularly the wide receivers, you can get where you'd have to be taking him, at least what I'm going to be expecting. You know, ADP may prove me wrong, but I'm not going to typically want to pay for a guy like that. You know, I'm honestly, I'm probably not going to want to pay for a Josh Allen or a Justin Herbert unless it's a super flex league. You know, and then it's like, you know, how am I feeling about things? Um, But someone like a Jalen Hurts, I think, is a really good target to go after. So while I do disagree with ranking Kyler as low as QB8, because I feel he will finish higher there, certainly in terms of points per game, if not overall, I do actually like pulling the Jalen Hurts pick. Like that is, I think, going to be a potential league winner this year. I can get down with the vibe. I can absolutely get down with the vibe. Do you want to flip the script real quick and go? Yeah, let's from talk a... about someone who's not going to be a league <laughs> winner this year. Okay. That's Davis Mills, who you have inexplicably as QB 19. Like I can get behind Joe having Kyler at QB. Like there's some logic there, but QB 19 really on that Houston offense. Really? Uh- Okay, all right. I've been attacked. So, all right, I'm going first. It's fine. Okay, I will first start by saying I am wrong. That is just that's what it is. It's fine. I will. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Like I, I am on this train, and I'm not getting off because look at what he did over the last five weeks of the season when he really got things going like qb 10 was not bad especially considering like we saw for the mess of the beginning of the season houston was completely inept it was absolutely horrible but by the time like brevin jordan really got going i really enjoyed the connection that the two of them were able to build brandon cooks absolutely balled out but he always does and we talk about him on the show constantly because people just need to stop saying mean things about brandon cooks stop doing it he's good every year so three thousand yards jeez and then, not to mention, they go out and get John Mechie. Who knows what an, you know, another year in the feather of the cap of Nico Collins. It could be pretty interesting. And the other part of it is, well, it, it's two things. Well, one, the, the running back room looks a lot better than it did last year. We all really like Damian Pierce. He was somebody that coming out of Florida, I thought was pretty. I, I, some do of us do. Some of us do. Okay, I do. It, he could be pretty fun. Marlon Mack, I don't, another year removed from the Achilles tear. That's another big thing. We'll see what he can do. But here's my big point. Here's my big point. Pep Hamilton as the offensive coordinator. I will tell you what, I'm a big believer of his. I was really upset when the Steelers brought him in for an interview and ended up picking Matt Canada to be our offensive coordinator instead. Very frustrated. That's its own thing. I'll save that for another day. Pep Hamilton and what he has been able to do with quarterbacks over the course of his career so far is pretty cool. Here's two names for you. Justin Herbert and Andrew Luck. Those guys were pretty good, right? What do they have in common? Pep Hamilton in their corner. That guy, he really, really knows how to work with a quarterback. And honestly, not only is he credited with aiding in the development of those two, there were quotes even last year. It's being like, hey, toward the end of the year, it really seemed like Davis Mills and Pep Hamilton were starting to get on the same page. This guy knows how to work with a quarterback. If anything, my faith is in Pep Hamilton, probably a little bit more so than Davis Mills. Am I a little too aggressive in putting him at 19? Absolutely. It's ridiculous. Nobody should have him that high at all. But I'm doing it to make a point. The Houston offense is going to be marginally better than expectation. And I've just picked a really weird way to express that. So how about that? Uh, so a couple things. Number one, um, Andrew Luck and Justin Herbert, not the same level of prospect as Davis Mills going into college. I just, just, just want to throw that out there. Actually, going quick. into college, D- Davis Mills, hey, he five-star recruit, top Andrew in his Luck high school is, class. So it's gonna, Andrew not, Luck is probably you know? the best 
prospect we've seen from when he became a prospect to now, aside from maybe Trevor Lawrence, maybe <laughs> CJ Stroud, you know, there's maybe a handful of guys that are on Andrew Luck level. That's fair. Um, That's fair. Yes. So that could be an improvement. However, I still think the coaching staff as a whole, it's going to be your one. It's going to be a bit of a mess. The organization as a whole is still probably going to be a bit of a mess. Um, you can't like completely take that out. Um, and then on top of that, yeah, QB 10 over those past five weeks. But if you look in terms of points per game, he's actually QB 15 and not a particularly impressive 17.76. Um, Brandon Cooks is a great weapon. Don't get me wrong. Walking thousand yard season. Love him. I'm much less bullish on the running back room. I think Damian Pierce could be a great value if he takes over just because he's a rookie. He'll have like the body, the stamina to actually like just get a ton of volume, make the most of it if he's utilized in that way. And you're going to get him for dirt cheap. Uh, but aside from that, I don't particularly care for him that much. I didn't rank him that highly as a prospect myself. And uh, it's just like, I'm not inspired. I think his upside is capped compared to some guys. And that's why I have him ranked just ahead of Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo. Ooh. It hurts. And it just hurts. below Marcus Mariota for what it's worth. Like Marcus Mariota has a higher ceiling than Davis Mills. I'm sorry. It's true. Yeah, and that's why I just can't rank him that high. That's fair. All right. Joey P, be the tiebreaker. Let us know. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I, I respect the concept of what you're trying to do, but I think there's a more responsible way, Herms, to do it. Uh, you could put out a nice tweet about Davis Mills. You could send him an edible arrangement. I mean, there's a lot of things you could do to say that, <laughs> You know, Davis Mills might be better than you think. I think we're putting and this is this is straight from the black book profile that I wrote. I think two, people are putting too much stock in that week 18 performance. Week 18, the last week of the season, whatever it is, 17 or 18. Historically, all the defenses just we're not gonna play. Even you know, they gave up 300 yards and three touchdowns to him. And, and the rest of the performances were again, they were better than people thought yes he had the big game against seattle but seattle also defensively had a lot of issues this year um and the rest of the games you know throwing for 209 with two touchdowns 254 two touchdowns 163 one touchdown like am i supposed to dance a jig about this like that's fine like that is perfectly fine it's better than we anticipated because it was league average ish and that's okay to have those moments, but I think to make a fantasy investment in Davis Mills, and I'm somebody who plays a ton of Superflex, so I do care. Like, I actually think Davis Mills is one of these guys that, as a third quarterback, you could do a lot worse than, for sure. Um, I have a hard time, though, when I'm looking at ranking him to put him into the top 20. I think that's pushing it, because then you're telling me he's better than... Uh, what you saw out of Mac Jones last year, which is not. He's better than Ryan Tannehill, uh, which you've seen in the past to be much better than he was last year when all his wide receivers got hurt. Tua with all the weapons. Carson Wentz, well, you know, okay, you want to have the Carson Wentz, Jared Goff conversation? Okay, I'm here for that. If you told me he's going to be better than Zach Wilson this year from a fantasy perspective, I'll buy that argument every day of the week because I got those guys back to back. And on a daily basis, I consider putting one over the other. But I think to put him in the top 20 is is not going to help anybody win his league. But I will say this as a third quarterback, when I get to Zach Wilson or Davis Mills or Marcus Mariota, I think I want Davis Mills. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. It seems my strategy of just irresponsible hyperbole was not it, it, it fell flat. But, you know, I tried. But it made you know. for good radio and good podcast. And that's what you want to do. You want to entertain the people. It's important. See, well, there you go. So if nothing else, even though I am the loser in this one. 
we have fun. And that's really what it's all about. Fantasy football is for fun. It's a made-up game for fun. Everything's made up. Okay, that declares that. We have, oh, this one's fun. Oh, this one's fun. Oh, okay. So we talked a little bit about rookie running backs, right? Okay, so we get a little bit of Damian Pierce. How about we talk about somebody significantly better? The one that people expect to probably be the best rookie in this running back class. His name is Brees Hall. He plays for the New York football Jets. That No one calls them that. I, I thought it would be fun. I'm throwing it out there. I'm spitballing. It is what it is. You, McLateral, have him at RB11. Meanwhile, Joey P, uh, it's, uh, you updated your ranking, so I am going to make Yeah, that's all right. He's still at 23. <laughs> he, he hasn't moved. All right. He hasn't moved. I had this conversation on the podcast today. Good God, I'm ready for it. Let's go. <laughs> I just... This is the number one running back from this draft class. The Jets have invested high draft capital in him, especially relative to the position. We see rookies or rookie contract RBs with similar draft capital invested in them succeed. And we know that this offense is going to run the ball plenty. I just from like a sheer numbers game, the likelihood that Brees Hall finishes in the top 12, barring some committee with Michael Carter, Tevin Coleman, and Ty Johnson. Like, this is the guy they drafted to not be the bell cow necessarily, but to be their lead back for certain. And with that is going to come volume, and volume is king. And they are going to feed Brees Hall on this rookie contract in this pseudo san francisco shanahan-esque system that they have in new york and uh i i think just you know i don't i don't think he's got the talent quite of some of these other rb1s so that's why i don't have him any higher than rb11 but to me the pathway is clear for him to be a bottom end rb1 a bottom end top 12 guy and half ppr there's a path for that there's a path for that I believe there's a path for that. I I sign up for the path to that. I refuse to draft him as that. That's where I struggle. Because if we're going to start drafting this guy as a one, we're going to fall in the same problem we went. Look, let's not forget about Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who went into a great offense with a great quarterback, should have a great opportunity. That's still, we're still waiting for that to work out. Where do you think, Malcolm, the Jets' offense is going to rank at the end of the year in 32 teams? Just out of curiosity. Give me a number off the top of your head. Probably somewhere in the 20 to 24 range. So, okay, let's say it's the, the middle back of end the of bottom half, the middle of the bottom half. OK, yeah. so let's let's take a look at some of those other offenses that end up kind of in the dregs down there. You're looking at the lower tier of the NFL in terms of fantasy running backs. They're all in that grouping, all of those guys. And that's the thing I'm trying to get people to understand, which is, yes, Brees Hall very well should be and will be the bell cow should get a lot of opportunity, but you still need quarterback play. You still need somebody to move the chains. And so far, Zach Wilson hasn't proved that to me at all, that he is ready to take on those reins. And they have had problems for decades trying to figure this problem out, the Jets organization. So to me, where I always struggle here is I look at Brees Hall, the talent, the opportunity. And then I even look, look, you can even talk about Najee Harris last year. You know, people can say what they want. Ben Roethlisberger is going to the Hall of Fame. Ben Roethlisberger knows how to get first downs, knows how to move the offense. He's giving him opportunities to be good. Three and outs don't give you opportunities to be good. And if everybody knows where the ball is going to, you become very predictable. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure Zach Wilson just threw another interception to the Patriots in the time that I was talking. <laughs> and I will tell you this, 
if he continues to do that kind of stuff, that is going to crush Brees Hall because you only get a finite number of opportunities every game to score and touch the football. Typically speaking, there's an average there. When you start taking those away by making bad decisions and turning over the football and or three and outs and or not being able to get the ball past the 50, that's going to limit Brees Hall overall. So it's it's not a knock on the kid. It's not. A, I think it's a great pick. I think the Jets had one of the best drafts. I've never seen the Jets have. It's a great draft. But I'm looking at guys that I just feel way more comfortable taking. Uh, Even like an A.J. Dillon, who I've been, you know, stomping the floor for uh, on every Fantasy Pro show. I don't know if anybody watched that dude play last year, but holy crap. I never saw that guy catch a football like that in college. It was tremendous. He's a bigger back than Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is starting to go, I think, the other way in terms of the tread on the tires. And I think it's a very important opportunity. We should all pay attention to A.J. Dillon a little bit more and where his trajectory is as opposed to what Aaron Jones has done in the past. But it's those kind of guys that I think he's closer to that tier than he is to that RB1 tier where you're talking about, I'm going to draft him the same place I'm going to draft a guy like James Conner or a guy, you know, as much as I don't like Ezekiel Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott, that's a tough sell. Saquon Barkley's upside is number one overall. I don't want to take him either. To me, this is a horrible place. <laughs> I don't like to be in this place. This is why I'm taking wide receivers around here. But at the same point, I think the uh, if you're going to take a shot on somebody, I can understand that Jacobs or an Acres or guys like that are going to play much better offenses than a Brees Hall who's not. And to me, that's why I have to be more responsible in ranking him. So I'm like the other side of the Herms thing where he was trying to, to say, Davis Mills, look at Davis Mills. I'm trying to say, hey, guys, hold up and pump the brakes on Brees Hall just a little bit. Not saying it can't be great, but if you can draft him like he is going to be great, you've learned nothing from the last few years of fantasy football where you did the same thing with Swift, the same thing with Taylor, the same thing with Clyde Rizalaire, and all went in the other direction. And those offenses, some of those were way better situations than what Brees Hall is walking into. Well, so it's interesting that you bring up Swift because I would say that Swift was a better prospect coming 100%. out of college, particularly if you're someone that plays in half, if you're looking from a fantasy perspective, again, NFL, I think it was a better prospect too. But from a fantasy perspective, if you're looking at something like half PPR, PPR, mm-hmm. like obviously he has a skill set that naturally translates a little more than Brees Hall's skill set. Um, though Brees Hall does have some attributes that allow him to be the bell cow if the New York Jets want to go that way. I think Carter still has some involvement, but I think it'll be more a lead back, a passing down, change of pace back type of situation rather than a full committee. Um, It is interesting that you brought up James Conner and Ezekiel Elliott because I have James Conner at 10 and Zeke at 12. So I do think of them (laughs) as the same range. And for me, Brees Hall is a guy who I have less injury concerns about. He's fresher. Uh, we've seen durability from these guys on these rookie contracts. Like James Conner looked pretty good last year, still picked up a little bit of injury, missed a little bit of time, but like, Hey, in this day and age, who doesn't miss a game or two, especially at the running back position. So again, I'm not panicking. I've got him at RB 10. Now that they have Daryl Williams and are going to be able to spell James Conner a bit as well. Like that is also a good Mm. sign. Uh, And then Zeke, like, I think like just was out of gas last year, which is why I have him at 12, which is higher than some people have him at this point. But for me, the thing with the Brees Hall thing is the upside is just there. And so that's like where I have him in my like if Dude, I'm going to be taking, you're 100% right is, that the upside's there. I can get him in the third round. I can maybe get him in the fourth round and he's in my top 12. So I would say mm-hmm. like you're advocating, don't, don't like reach, don't like panic by, let right. the draft come to you and you might get a top 12 guy in a later right. position than you're expecting. 
And there I'm for it. You know, if he is look, we did a draft today where uh, I was at the 12 spot. I took Adams and, and Jamar Chase because they were there and I'm not in a PPR draft. There's no way I'm not starting that way at the 12. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Give me those guys all day long. Any of those elite wide receivers. I thought I was going to get Diggs and Adams. Instead, I got Jamar Chase. And I'm like, hot dog. Let's go. But when it came back to me, I had exactly what I wanted, which was the the RB room was available. In fact, I actually passed. I took another wide receiver and I took Josh Allen in the in the third and fourth round. Right. Reese Hall was there for me in the fifth round in that draft. So the point is, the later I can get him, the more I like that investment, because I do believe in what you're saying, which is there is a pathway for him to crack that RB one at the bottom end. I do think it's there. The consensus right now is Brees Hall at 20. So it's a little closer to where I am with him. And again, you know, consensus isn't everything, but I do believe we have to continue to acknowledge that Jets offense, even against offenses like Baltimore, committed to running the football. How healthy is J.K. Dobbins? We'll see. Travis Etienne, who is another guy who can do a lot of things. You know, Travis Etienne is a really good running back. And people forget how good he was in college because they haven't seen him play football in a while. To me, I'd rather have Etienne. I'd rather have, you know, some guys who are a little bit safer who play on offenses that I know, especially if I'm going to build up. And look, if Brees Hall was your third running back, great. That's tremendous. If he's your second and you're stacked at wide receiver, okay. But if you're going to start drafting him as a top 12 running back, then he has to deliver on that value. And the guys who have to deliver on that value and don't, they crush your dreams, they crush your hopes, they crush your soul. There you go. Yeah, I think that's why it's important to <laughs> and that's why it's important to always compare your ranks versus ADP. Look at where you can see the guys where you find the value. And obviously you know this, but it's like, you know, for me, it's like, oh, well, Brees Hall, I've got him in my top 12. Well, nobody else does. So I'm just gonna take a wide receiver and a wide receiver and a wide receiver. And now Brees <laughs> Hall's like my RB1 or my RB2, but I've got like three tier one or two tier one and one tier two wide receivers also complimenting that backfield and i think this year is the year to do something like that because i think there's been a hard swing to going zero rb and hero rb because it worked last year like mm -hmm. i almost it, did. it worked for if, me everywhere so if I antonio complain. brown had not walked off and retired in the middle of a game <laughs> i would have won our home league that i'm in with herms with tony pollard as my rb2 actually uh, I think that week, Jarrett Patterson was my RB2 and did everything I needed him to do. So I think there's going to be like kind of depressed value, deflated value on some of these RBs in these drafts. So, you know, if I'm taking him in like the fourth round, even if he's in my top 12, I'm happy to get Brees Hall there. You see, folks, and not only did we get a fun debate, but we also learned another thing about strategy, drafting. It's, it's, it's educational and fun. A lot of great points were made, but if I have to pick a winner, I got to say, Malcolm, even though we are very similar in our aggressive ranking of Brees Hall, uh, Joe made the wise point that uh, Zach Wilson is horrible at playing football, something <laughs> that I conveniently forgot. So like, at all, he was my QB5 well, in that class. This is important. We can cross the aisle on that. Zach yeah. Wilson is not good at playing football, at least not now. Maybe someday he will be, but not right now. Not right now. Yeah, yeah. I had to stop myself from ranking Kellen Mond over him in that rookie class. Like, that is how out I was on Zach Wilson. I, you know, and that was so puzzling to me because, I, you know, when the Jets were sitting up there with that pick, all I could say was, man, I mean, I don't see him being the same guy. Like, I don't see him being in that same 
one-two conversation at all. I don't know how they're getting to this evaluation. And I just felt like this is the same old Jets. Like they make an evaluation of a player and they're totally wrong. And then they're going to eat it for the next five years because of it. And look, and I'm, I'm also the guy that had Josh Allen ranked first in his class and everyone laughed at me. I said, what are you crazy? Look at Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen's the most pro ready prospect ever. And I'm like, guys, have you watched Josh oh. Allen play football? I can't teach what Josh Allen can do, but I can teach him to do stuff better. Like, you know, but whatever. This is why I, it's good because they put it in writing in the black books. You can go back and buy the 2018 version and read all that. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing that always got me with Rosen was like, this is a guy who literally got his coach fired in college. Like, why is right. anyone buying into right. this kid? Like, that should be the biggest know, red flag. Yeah. And, I don't know. But even just like speaking to the Zach Wilson thing, the one thing that really puzzled me the most was just like hearing some of those rumblings and, and maybe it was just one of those things where you know executives push out these little narratives to you know drum up weird stuff because we get bored during a certain part of april but like the whole uh zach wilson kind of has mahomesian type traits or whatever i'm like why because they both wear headbands and can like throw kind of good at a weird angle on the run because in that in that narrow way sure but other than that like and i understand like even coming into the nfl mahomes was considered to be a little bit more of a project. We didn't think he was going to end up being this and like credit Andy Reed for being able to, you know, bring him along and tur help turn him into a guy like this, but like still demonstrably better than Zach Wilson was. So like, just, ah, I, if I still had hair, I would be tearing yeah. it. It's just, it's very frustrating. I absolutely hate it. Zach Wilson do better, do better. You, you have all these weapons in front of you. Now the offensive line got beefier in front of you. Assuming Makai Becton can, you know, be a little bit more healthy. The world is your oyster. You gotta, you gotta shuck it, man. You gotta do it. If you're listening, you're welcome to come on the show. Anytime, Zach Wilson, we love you anyway. Um, that is a transition because I said so Deandre Swift. There we go. Hard pivot. That's I'm great at this. Uh, I have <laughs> Deandre Swift as my RB three. Where it looks Joey easy. Doesn't it? When I do it, right? It looks <laughs> very easy. I do yeah. this five times a day. Everyone's like, ah, oh, that guy, I could do that job. See, see, much it's, harder. It, it's very <laughs> difficult. You know, just like I, it, the pressure's on, you know, you have to keep things moving. Oh, you have to keep it interesting. I have a kazoo mm. as, a, as a crutch. I mean, so, like this is what I've been, Turned into, I, you know, this is just <laughs> I will say, I think at this point, this has hardly been a swift transition. Oh, there we <laughs> go. That's the... oh, <laughs> yep. See, that's why they pay us the big bucks, folks. Please leave us a five star <laughs> review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you love content like this. And as a reminder, follow us on Twitter at the lateral FF. That is what we do. DeAndre Swift, running back of the Detroit Lions. I have him at RB3, whereas Mr. Joe Pisapia has him at 13. And yes, I, I mm -hmm. actually I went through and I looked and it, you changed it. So I got the right number this time. No, me. Still 13. Yeah. Very yeah, prepared. 13. Check it out. Yes, you are. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I feel really good about mine. I do. I do. I do. RB3. Why? Like, because, <laughs> man. Look, here's the thing. I have some numbers. It's not all, it's not all, it's just, you know, uh, what do they call that? Uh, anecdotal Feels? evidence. It's not all just anecdotal uh, evidence from your boy. I yeah. looked it up. He got hurt toward the end of last year. Everybody knows it, especially because anytime Amon Rob St. Brown's name gets brought up, it's like, well, he did it all with <laughs> So, yes, we all know that the Detroit Lions, it, it fell off. But 
weeks one through 11. I have it PPR scoring courtesy of our numbers over at fantasy pros, uh, RB five. Okay. RB five. That was pretty good. 18 and a half points per game. That's pretty good. The volume is absolutely incredible. And I understand people make the argument. It's like, well, you know, early on in the season, you know, we had to worry about Jamal Williams. What are they going to do? It could be very similar. That was with the Kermit, the frog played fantasy <laughs> football. That's right. There you go. Hey, shout out the Muppets. What up? Like that, a lot of that was the influence of Anthony Lynn, who is no longer on the coaching staff. He is now over in San Francisco. That's his problem now. We really don't know what the Dan Campbell offense is going to look like, in all due fairness. But just, ba- and now we're turning into the anecdotal evidence. I kind of just have a feeling that Dan Campbell's the type of guy that just really, really wants DeAndre Swift to just be that guy, to come in and bite the kneecaps and wipe his own butt. That's that's what he demands of his players. It's just, that's how it works. And there were even reports, hey, look, DeAndre Swift coming into some of these workouts. He's looking a little bigger doing the whole thing. It's, hey, maybe he's bulking up to handle a really big workload, which he did at numerous points last season. Just the touches are absolutely incredible in terms of the opportunity and role that he has. Is three a little aggressive? Sure. But we talk about it on this show all the time about how we believe so much in the value of, you know, volume is volume and volume is king. There are very few true workhorse running backs left in the NFL. I looked at numbers, you know, kind of a few weeks ago, however many episodes ago it was, the number of players that have over like that 66% like touch share in their offense has gone down precipitously over the last like five or six seasons or so. It's a very small handful. It's guys like Najee Harris. It's guys like Derrick Henry. And I think it's going to be somebody like a DeAndre Swift. If he stays healthy, that's a major caveat. Another reason why he could probably be ranked a little bit lower if he really wanted to make that case. But I'm firmly placing the belief in the Detroit Lions to just be like, hey, buddy, go do the thing. And then he's going to go do the thing because that's what he does. And he's good. Well, let's see if Joe's going to go do the thing right now. Joe, I am <laughs> dying to hear your argument. Here I'm, I'm still trying terms. to get over the phrase. I'm putting my faith in the Detroit Lions. I don't care whatever <laughs> comes after that. That's where I want to pause. In fact, that's where I want to start. Um, how many times did he carry the ball more than 14 times last year? Once. once. Uh, now, more than 14 once. You are correct. Once. Yes, that is correct. I know. I look at the stats, but I'm prepared. Uh, so um, once again, you also said volume is king. <clears throat> the caveat to that is quality volume is king. That's the truth. Volume is great, but if you're on a crap offense that doesn't get to move the football or if you have – issues you know where it's hard to stay on the field i mean this guy dealt with a lot of concussion issues two years ago um was a guy that was used a lot in college too and i always worry about those burnout guys i'm trying to get better i'm trying to learn what i like to call the tale of saquon barkley which is be very weary of some of these guys you know the georgia guys have a history with it obviously between Gurley and sony michelle like you can go on and on to all the guys in the georgia years and the guys who burn out here and I think that it's very important that we start to recognize that. And and that's kind of the reason why I like Javante Williams so much last year. I was like, he doesn't have quite the tread on the tires. It's why I like Derrick Henry so much. He doesn't have quite the, the strain of bearing the weight of the offense on him. Some of these guys flame out when they get here. And I think you're 100% right. There's a world where DeAndre Swift could absolutely end up as RB3 this year. But do I want to draft him as RB3? No, I don't. Uh, I can't draft him certainly over Taylor, Henry, Eckler. I'm not drafting him over Cook. McCaffrey, I like to have this debate with my friends all the time on our show. Derrickson and I, and that's Andrew Erickson and Derek Brown. I made them one person there. Derrickson. 
you know, they're all still very comfortable with McCaffrey. I am not, but I'll still take McCaffrey over him. I'll still take Najee Harris. I'll still take Mixon, Chubb, uh, Kamara, Fournette, Connor, Javante Williams, all those guys. And then we could talk about, to me, DeAndre Swift is the perfect guy that you could say, yeah, he's that guy right on the fringe of RB1 that I would love to draft as an RB2 because I think he's got the upside to finish as the one. That is my favorite argument for DeAndre Swift. And, and in all fairness, you know, when you look at the market for Swift, it's probably, you know, I mean, it's nine. It's kind of right in between us, right? Yeah. The consensus for him in half PPR is nine. That's fair, but that's also putting expectations there. It's putting expectations that their Lions offense is going to be good, that he's going to stay healthy, that he can take on more like 18 carries a game and not 11 to 14, which is more of what you saw. It was very exciting to see the breakout, but it was also, you know, kind of daunting because once again, he gets it incomplete on the season. So I think that's that's where I always struggle with him. And, you know, you put big time capital in guys early on who are going to miss time. It really does hurt your fantasy team, whereas those wide receivers, typically speaking, don't miss as much time as the running backs the last few years. Sure, they get hurt, too. I mean, a lot of it's football, but the quotient is just much lower by comparison. The last two years, we have to learn what we've seen from the running back attrition of, of injuries. And look, Swift is a great talent. I actually do in a weird way, kind of like what the Lions have done. Um, I think Jared Goff actually, even towards the end of the year, started to make some strides there in this yeah. offense. But at the same time, um, I can't put him. Look, if Leonard Fournette's healthy enough to play, I'm going to take Leonard Fournette. He's playing with Tom Brady. The scoring opportunities are going to be greater. I want to score touchdowns. He's going to beat an offense is probably going to give him the ball quite a bit. Some rookie behind him, Rashad White. Okay, we'll see. I don't care how fat he is coming into camp. I really don't care. He's got plenty of time to lose weight. It's only June, for God's sake. So um, for me, it's just a matter of projection versus production. And I know what I've seen from the other guys. And depending on the draft capital you're asking me to spend, I'd rather take the production. That's fair. And, you know, I think it's it's another example, kind of like we were talking about with Brees Hall, <laughs> where, you know, you you rank above probably where you feel comfortable taking them. And it's more of just like, a, hey, well, if I'm putting together a list and I'm taking into account where you can take, you know, this player in your draft, that's a pretty good value. So, like, I kind of bake that into the number. But either way, like, it's it's just how we choose to do our rankings here at the lateral. But I mean, all those things are very true. All those things are very true. I really think and kind of picking up the baton from something we talked about a little bit in the last segment, just the whole concept of, of zero RB, because this just popped into my head and it kind of ties into something that I tweeted the other day. Because we've seen so many of these guys come in and flame out that way, and there are very few players that end up putting together all of these seasons where they are remarkably consistent at the running back position. Because that wave of players like Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott are starting to age out. And we're about to see another really interesting influx of talent, kind of like we saw with those guys coming in next year in next year's class with, you know, like the Bijan Robinsons of the world, the Jameer Gibbs of the world. I really think that next year is going to be the time that people should look into deploying the zero RB strategy. I'm not a really big fan of doing it very often for a bunch of logistical reasons, but the I most just think it's a cop out. It's like, I, I think zero RB is like, I didn't want to work hard enough to figure out a plan. Like, I think that's just nonsense. I, my plan is not to never draft a running back. My, pre, my plan is to strategically look at certain ones. And from what I've seen this year, I am very comfortable 
going big wide receiver and then getting a bunch of the Brees Hall, ATN, Dylan, Damian Harris, boring Damian Harris, who just scores a million touchdowns. And they're going to yeah. talk about running to run the football. Bill Belichick's going to run the football and play defense, folks. Guess what? That's what he's going to do. And they're not going to give Damian Harris another contract because they don't give second contracts to running backs. So guess what? They're going to burn and churn him and then hand it off to somebody else. And he's got one of the better handcuffs than Stevenson anyway. So like to me, there's there's a path here. A running back is good. Zero RB is more like a cop out to me. That That's how I feel about it anyway. Yeah. No, and, and I completely agree. The I mean, I've man had... yelling at the sky. That's what that is. Oh, well, well we do that here all the time. I, I, I have. <laughs> I have voiced very harsh thoughts on the strategy myself, but like, but like the concept of just like the turnover of talent being there. Does any, is anybody even like remotely like buying into that thing that I'm pushing here? Maybe I'm talking about this way too early, but at the same time, it was just topical. I don't know if there are any thoughts. What, cool the turnover otherwise. of running back talent from the 23 class, you mean? Yeah, just because like that wave of reliable guys we've seen ranked at the top over the last several years are finally about to age out and fall off that cliff. Meanwhile, we're seeing mm -hmm. a very interesting wave of young talent coming into the league. Like, I think everything will be so messy that you can definitely do that next year and totally be fine with it. But otherwise, Probably. like on a yearly basis, I just I, I hate it. I really so. Yes. It's interesting <laughs> you say that because Ooh. if I was to render a ruling as to who wins this argument, I'm going with Joe Pisapia. And no. the reason is, even though my ranking of RB7 is higher to Herms' ranking of RB3, I have him in tier two. Tiers matter when you're ranking. Mm. And the bottom of tier two for me is RB13, where Joey Pisapia. Joey P has yeah. DeAndre Swift. There you and go. I call Let's that go. tier the but what if the wheels fall off tier tier? Like <laughs> Leonard well, Fournette. That's a real concern, baby. Leonard Fournette. But what if the wheels fall off? Like you coming mm -hmm. in, you know, a little out of shape, but we, you know, he's got so much tr like tread burned off that tire. Derrick Henry. What if the wheels fall off on Derrick Henry? James Connor, Ezekiel, Alvin Kamara. These are all guys where it's like, yeah, we know they're good. But what if the wheels fall off this year? This could be the year where they fall off, to Erms' point, of that talent churn starting to happen, where like that generation of guys is kind of going away and there's a new generation kind of coming in. And I think DeAndre Swift is part of that generation. I think the other point that uh, Joe had that was really important was that volume and where it comes and how it affects the player and is it sustainable? Because in weeks one through eight, he's getting somewhere between, as Joe said, 11 and 14 uh, carries per game. And then they come out of the bye week against Pittsburgh and he runs 33 tops. And then he runs 14 times and then he's dead. His season's basically over. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a real problem. That is a sign that potentially he could not sustain that level of volume. Now, there could be other factors involved as well. And I like to see that he's maybe getting a little bit of bulk. I think the Lions are on the way up. I like what they are doing in Detroit. I think they're bringing in the right talent. There's a lot to like there. But ultimately, I'd have to advocate closer to the RB13 simply just because I can't put him in RB3 territory. I can't get him into that tier one. Well, and three, again, three yeah. is three is ludicrous. I love you, Herms, but three is ludicrous. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's unnecessary. It's ludicrous. It's unnecessary. It's fun to talk about and it's fun to speculate. And, and there's, there's absolutely a script you can write where it ends up. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, the rankings are there because we're trying to, 
to steer people in not what could be, but what they should value guys at. And I think the should is what gets lost. And it's hey, look, we all buy, we all have that problem sometimes. All of us look at certain players and we love them so much. We want it to happen and we try to force ourselves and we will it to happen. We think if we rank them in a certain way, it's going to happen. And inevitably it bites us in the ass. And instead, Tom Brady goes out there and crushes life every year. And Mike Evans catches a thousand yards and, and has eight touchdowns. And then like, we all look at each other like, yeah, we should have realized that. And we should have valued that more. And I wish, and at least I have in my old age, finally come to that moment where I go, yes, yes, that is important. I'm going to do this. And it doesn't mean you can't get out of old players, you know, before the wheels fall off, but like stick to what you know. What you can project is super dangerous. <laughs> super, what you can project can can lose you more fantasy leagues than win you. Whereas what you know, build on that and then take your shots later. There's plenty of Sky Moores and Chris Olaves and 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 Jamison Williams and all these great wide receivers that just came into the league to take shots on all day long. You can take shots on some of these other running backs. You know the James Cooks of the world. See what happens there. Maybe Isaiah Spiller ends up being totally useful because Eckler burns himself out there's there's ways to do it that don't set you up potentially for more failure and I think that's the most important thing that is true you know and, and I definitely I definitely understand uh, especially from the perspective of making sure that we really learn from the past making sure we just know the things that we know and remind ourselves of that which is why boom transition I the Amari Cooper thing, it's it, I can't do it. I really I can't do it. I we are very far apart on this. Well, uh, in I, all fairness, that I did make an adjustment. He is now 13 for me. So I don't know where I had him. Um, you had him at 11. I think I, had him it wasn't, I, think I had him it wasn't too far, though. I think you yeah, guys every definitely... time another person comes out against yeah. Deshaun Watson, I move Amari Cooper down a spot. That's my new trend in my rankings. So every day, a new accusation, Amari Cooper gets another spot down. That's that's how that works. <laughs> and, which, and that's fair it's a sound strategy but <laughs> even, even we'll see if it pays off cotton hey, <laughs> but even the gap between 13 and where i have him at 28 i mean i if i recall aside from the part where, earlier where i just objectively admit i'm wrong about davis mills this is like this is the largest disparity that we have on this show sheet so i mean honestly like i just respectfully i will have we, we will we will speak to our guest first i don't want to hog the microphone that would be very rude <laughs> well look i mean once again this is very frustrating because we all acknowledge the disgusting deshaun watson stuff the disgusting acknowledged i mean yeah it's horrible <sighs> now that that's aside until he gets suspended, he is a top five quarterback in this league. And, and I know that grates people and I know it rubs them the wrong way. And people will say, well, he didn't play for a year. And I've been watching some of this stuff with the OTAs and holy crap, does he look good? And, and that's, and that's, and I know me saying that even rubs people the wrong way. No pun intended there. But at the same time, I feel like we need to be realistic. There's not a lot of other places to throw the football. Amari Cooper is a solid, maybe unspectacular, but solid wide receiver in the NFL. You're going to give him to Sean Watson. He's probably going, if he plays full season, he's probably going to have 12 to 1300 yards and probably somewhere around 10 touchdowns. And that makes him a wide receiver one last time I checked. And, and, and until we have more definitive notion about that, there's really no secondary wide receiver. And Joku, I like, I think he can make a step. They certainly paid him like they want to make a step. Kareem Hunt's going to work in the passing game some. Maybe we'll see if Donovan Peoples Jones does anything. But once again, it's kind of like the Pittman thing. If you like Pittman, but you don't like Cooper, then you're not you're using the, the, your own logic against you. 
It's Pittman's the guy. There's nobody else there to take away the targets except it's Pittman. It's Pittman. It's Pittman. It's Pittman. It's not Paris Campbell. It's not Alec Pierce. It's Pittman. And right now it's Cooper. And if you love Pittman, but you don't like Cooper, uh, those are the people that I'm like, I want to shake him and say, well, how, how is that even the same logic? Because Deshaun Watson is a far better quarterback at this point in time. And the only argument is, again, when there's a suspension, then we can readjust. But for right now, he is right on that cusp of wide receiver one. And I think he should be drafted as such until we have more clarity. Well, I am those people and I will shake myself. <laughs> Because like the the big the big thing about it, and I completely understand you from from that perspective. But my issue with Amari Cooper on an annual basis is the fact that like he it, even it, fantasypros.com, if you just want to go look at the boom bust report, how infrequently Amari Cooper is able to explode versus him just putting up these kind of just lackluster like oh come on why did i put you in my lineup type weeks it's it's very frustrating it happened when he was in oakland admittedly that was a considerably worse time in worse set of circumstances for him but the gap between deshaun watson and dak prescott is not huge by any means like that's kind of the frustrating part of it for me like and it was a more past happy offense in Dallas and like yes like the season end totals he will end up very you know high in the final rankings just because he is able to have those games where he explodes and it really inflates those totals but like on a consistency basis he just doesn't really have that very often he falls below like 12 points sometimes even into the single digits and you just hate yourself for it and now Cleveland does not have a robust passing attack like Dallas does. Like, it's just not really what they do from a football standpoint. So, like, and I don't know. Like, it's – we've been burned before with the Amari Cooper thing. And there is an argument to be said. It's like, well, how much does player consistency really matter? Do you really want the guy that can give you, you know, mm. 12 points a week? Or do you want the guy that, yes, sometimes they'll give you six, but, you know, occasionally they'll give you 26? Like, philosophically even mathematically i get the difference but just from like the philosophy of how i prefer to build my teams the first few picks that i make i am trying to just take as little risk as possible i'm trying to make sure that i can build a foundation of points that i can expect to be sure. in my lineup on a weekly basis <clears throat> because it's my collection of points versus my opponent's collection of points that's how this game is played and because of how weird the separation of boom versus bust is for amari cooper I never feel comfortable enough relying on him. But if you have a team build where you take wide receiver significantly earlier, then great. If oh, he's sure. like your third if guy, he's your number wonderful. two or three, of course. Yeah. yeah. You know, this comes back to the argument about quality volume, though. Amari Cooper stands to get volume and high quality volume with a guy who's really talented throwing him the football. Now that can all change in a heartbeat. And it could be Baker Mayfield before we know it. And won't that be a fun story? But, you know, right now, again, we can only go in what we have. So I think, you know, I there's absolutely fallout in the Amari Cooper. And eventually, I'm sure there'll be a time where I'll have to adjust this ranking again and probably lower. But right now, right now, he's right neck and neck with Pittman, because if you like Pittman, it's the same thing. Quality volume, a guy who knows how to throw the football, throwing you the football. That's good enough. You don't need deep analysis to get into that. And look, you know, with Dallas, it was always very frustrating because it seemed like he was always trying to kind of find his way there in Dallas a little bit. You know, like you had CeeDee Lamb around and there were other wide receivers at different times. You just kind of, you know, Michael Gallup was around too. And he just didn't, you know, this is a whole different set of circumstances. And I like Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is a hardworking guy, but he ain't Deshaun Watson. 
He just ain't. So, you know, and, and it's funny, you know, now in retrospect, I think we know why Deshaun Watson fell in the draft. I think we have a little bit more insight to that these last few years because I used to scratch my hand and go, man, how do people let this guy slip through their fingers? And I think we know why. I think we have a little bit more of an insight into that reasoning. Yeah. So with this one, I'm going to have to give it to Joe, but with a caveat. So it's okay. really interesting that you have him at wide receiver 13. Because before the Deshaun Watson stuff got even more serious than it already was, it's exactly where I had him. I think there's a <laughs> lot to like there. He is a guy who has been the top wide receiver in an offense. He is a guy who has been a top fantasy wide receiver. He's been a top 10 guy, I believe, before. Certainly top 12. The talent is there. He's entering like a prime age when we look at guys who could be a wide receiver one, a top 12 wide receiver. Often they are right around that age 28 season, which he is. And he could have Deshaun Watson as his quarterback. And Deshaun Watson is a bit better than Dak Prescott from a talent level, though I agree with terms. The disparity is not huge, but I think they are in a different tier from each other. Um, but I just... I. I cannot make my projections without baking in at least a four game suspension this season personally for Deshaun Watson, which is why I have Amari Cooper at wide receiver 20 now. So I have, I've done some more falling in my ranks already. So I'm going to give that caveat. You have to be comfortable with Deshaun Watson being the starter this year to take mm -hmm. Amari Cooper at that wide receiver 13 position. But if you are, I think he does have real potential to live up to it. I can get down with the vibe. I can get down with that vibe. Dude, good discussions it, tonight. I like this is fun. Woo. We're having some good, important discussions here. Let's go. Yes, 100 percent. It, it, it doesn't stop here. It does not stop here, folks. We got a tight end to talk about. For the tightest oh. of ends for the players, because that is the thing that we care about the most here. The lateral is all about tight ends. Uh, they are the tightest of ends. However, I do have one little piece of wide receiver still to discuss. Oh, Cooper yes, Cup yes. got the bag. Oh, Cooper Cup got oh, the bag. Oh, he did get paid. Good. It's Good it. for him. I think Good it's for five him. years, like 110 million or something like Shoot, that. It like man. just came across via Yahoo Sports. Uh, checky check. Rams Super Bowl MVP Cooper Cup reportedly agreed to extension worth $110 million over the next five years. Of course, you will already know this by the time you hear this pre-recorded podcast on Thursday. And it's Wednesday at 8.35. Uh, but yes, let's get on to the tightest events. I will say, though, quick fantasy impact for uh, Cooper Cup. Nothing. He's already great. <laughs> Boom. There you go. Analysis. I did it. All right. That's uh, fair. That is fair. We have to tie in some sort of advice to this somehow. That's the point of what we do. Um, but yeah, good good for him. Honestly, I, hey, uh, Steelers, maybe go, go ahead and start doing some work with Deontay Johnson, please. I would really we'll, appreciate we'll that. We'll leave the, uh, the, fan, uh, the cup analysis for the fantasy I don't Dynasty think that contract's show. coming. I mean, they drafted Pickens. They got a million guys. I don't know, man. I like Deontay, oh, no. but I don't think that money's coming. Oh, we talked about that in the last episode. It really frustrates me. I love Deontay. I know. <sighs> but Amari Cooper's old team. Transition. That's how I'm doing this. Someone Raiders. That's the team. Yes. Dar I do love Darren Waller. I do. I, he's awesome. He is absolutely awesome. Uh, we 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 seem to be a, a little uh, far apart there, buddy. Uh, you you're a little low. You're you're a little low. I still have him at four. I'm st I'm yeah. still going with that. It, did you 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 haven't changed since then, right? It's a tight end no. eight for you. 
Okay. No, I, I mean, you know, I, I too could choose to live in the past, but I am living in the present and looking towards the future. And that future does not have Darren Waller as a tier one tight end. Well, tell me about it. Um, well, for starters, last season, uh, missed a significant chunk of, chunk of games, seemed to have injury problems the entire season long, finished his tight end 18. Obviously, some caveats there, you know. We don't project for him to necessarily be injury prone or anything like that. In terms of points per game, even with some issues and with a lower point total than usual as 9.6, he was checks notes one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh in terms of point per game, which like pretty good, you know, basically 0.1 more points per game. He's ahead of TJ Hawkinson puts him in six. You know, he's not that far from Dalton Schultz, who was fifth with 10 points. But like there's a lot to like. But then Devontae Adams showed up. And Devontae Adams going to get fed. Devontae Adams going to get his. Devontae Adams is a better receiver than Darren Waller, which was a big benefit to Darren Waller. Darren Waller might have actually been the best receiver on these Raiders teams where he balled out. And it's simply just not the case anymore. I think they're going to throw it to the tight end a bit less, even though they are bringing in McDaniels, who does like the tight end but he kind of likes the twin tight end. So maybe we get some Darren Waller and some Foster Moreau. You know, that could be really interesting. Jasper Horstead, they recently brought him in. That's a fun name. Yeah, there are like, there are a lot of pathways to Darren Waller losing volume in this offense, which is a problem. And then there's also a lot of pathways to like the wheels falling just a little off on Darren Waller, which is also a problem. And when I look at those problems, I go, you know what? They're just some guys I can't rank them ahead of. And it turns out there are seven of those guys, which is why I have them at tight end. <laughs> you know, and, and all of that's very fair. All of that is very fair, especially, you know, the Devontae Adams of it all is the big reason that a lot of people are concerned and justifiably so. I completely get that. It, we, we talked about college teammates earlier in the program. We're talking about it here again. Hey, there's something to be said about that. But touchdowns are very big for tight ends. That is kind of my main point. And if we look at the high-powered offenses in the NFL, bringing in Devontae Adams, I mean, like, that helps. I mean, the Vegas Raiders were already doing a very good job last year with all that stuff. But, like, I imagine that this is going to be an incredibly high-powered offense. Hunter Renfro, also another name that we did not mention. He will be part of the offense. But, I mean, I think, you know, his share was going to come down anyway because I think even his – benefit last year was Darren Waller himself not being there so like everybody kind of loses but if we piecemeal it together in the aggregate we talk about you know the regression to the mean and like the whole thing or whatever two touchdowns last year for Darren Waller even despite the fact that like yes I understand you know like 11 games for him he did get injured whatever that's still a pretty low number and at the tight end position you can rely on those guys that just touchdown their way because touchdown is a verb now touchdown their way into being super high year in i think he's going to be one of those guys i feel more than comfortable with his ability to sacrifice some of that volume sacrifice a lot of that but still be able to haul in enough touchdowns to be able to finish somewhere in the top six i could justifiably move him down a little bit but i don't know that i could ever get that far with it because some of the names that i see of people in front of him like 
I mean, dear God, you mentioned his name, TJ Hawkinson. When is the world going to stop with the TJ Hawkinson thing? You know how many times? My tight end 10. I do not have him ahead of I I, I know not you, but the the larger point to the audience, because there are some people. I'm with you guys about the Hawkinson stuff. I don't don't get it. I don't don't understand. Like, how is Hawkinson higher than Schultz in place? I don't get that. I don't get it all. No, I don't know. Because, like, bro, I'm pretty sure Dalton Schultz has made it all the way up to five. For me, like you're talking about good circumstances, for play. actually, I have him at six, but I, I can four. make the argument. I can make the argument for him at four. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and I would say, let's be clear. We're all arguing about guys we view as tier two tight ends. This is not the Andrews Pitts Kelsey tier. No, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because the, the the top guys are going to be the same top guys. If you want to debate the order of those, which people will throughout the entire offseason. Perfectly fine. That's its own thing. But like, I don't, fun fact about TJ Hawkins, and just because I can't let it go, number of times over 100 yards in a game. You know, the first game ever did that. You want you want to know how many times he's done that since? None. Never. One time. One time. First game in the league. That's it. Jesus. Can we please stop with? I, I can't. I can't. <laughs> well, so I that can't. is that is why Hawkinson is ranked oh. as high as he is. It's name recognition. It's brand value. He had that one game, and then everyone's like, oh. This guy's got to be the next big thing. And like, even I had him like a little higher in my initial ranks. And then I actually statted it out and I was like, oh God, no. Yeah. And like, and the other thing that he had going for him, and I think that a lot of other players, you know, being ranked high do is we're all really bad at figuring out which tight ends are going to secure like huge target shares when there's like a vacated role in the offense and like some of that work has to be absorbed by somebody the myth of the vacated targets all that stuff shout out peter howard like we see a lot often it just like very like cursory research that i've done i haven't dove super deep into this so take everything that i'm saying with the entire shaker of salt but like doesn't some of that like more than we expect go to the running backs anyway like isn't that more of a thing you know what i mean like teams are a little bit more likely to whatever not the point well i think in detroit's (laughs) case some of it is going to go to the top 12 wide receiver that they just drafted in james yeah buddy i knew i like this guy is is someone i I love to get like towards the end of drafts when i do drafts on the draft the best receiver in the draft so receiver in the draft you and i have the exact same well and that's the thing it's like you gotta take shots that's the shot to take on doesn't work out it doesn't work out but it costs you nothing and if it does it's gonna it be a game changer nothing. he's like my wide receiver six or seven on rosters while i'm doing mocks right now and you know what? oh yeah and look awesome. even if it moves up if you get good and good reports on him wide receiver five by the time you get there you know he's he, he's still gonna be a good investment uh, i mean i'll guess i still believe that so did you both make both sides of this argument yeah we, no? we, we talked our socks off a little about oh, yeah, okay. so while we i don't stop, know if it's time to rule yet i want to make sure everybody's absolutely their... time for you let's get right. that to, to put, joey p insight on hmm. the tight ends to put a bow hmm. on it it's basically just the touchdown argument that's what i did <laughs> look here's the thing you're both right And I know that's a crappy answer, but I'm going to explain why you're both right, because Darren Waller, the talent, the upside deserves to be ranked at four. He has earned that position, but there's every belief that he could end up being eight or even worse because people forget he's close to 30. You know, just because he hasn't, you know, been great in the league for a while doesn't mean he wasn't kicking around the league for a while. He's a little bit older. That's right. And people forget this about Darren Waller. They're like, oh, he's this new toy. They think he's 26 years old. He's not. Um, And I think that when you bring in Devontae Adams, 
you know, he is going to take a lot of those red zone looks as he should. And don't forget about Hunter Renfro either. Um, Hunter Renfro, I think, is another guy grossly undervalued. I mean, Absolutely. Josh, you want to talk about like copy and pasting offenses? I mean, you've got an <laughs> alpha wide receiver and then you've got a Julian Edelman clone and a guy in Hunter Renfro. There's no way that guy's not going to eat. And he might surprise you with the touchdown total because Devontae Adams is going to see a ton of double coverage down there. But at the same time, Darren Waller could very well cash in be the four that is drafted and be awesome. But when it comes down to draft capital, Dalton Schultz is the draft capital because Dalton Schultz is being drafted as tight end seven or eight in some spots. So why would you put yourself out to draft Waller because of the risk? And Kittle's the same way. Kittle's a great football player. He's such a great football player. But in fantasy, he's always, to me, a big question, you know, because he's never had those it's just, it's tough to gauge. And now you have a quarterback changer. It's just so many unknowns and I hate the unknowns. Uh, I'd rather be spending draft capital there at running back or wide receiver than spending it at tight end at that juncture in the draft and where these guys are in ADP. So if I wait another couple of rounds and get Dalton Schultz or even, you know, as silly as it might sound, even wait a little longer, you know, Zach Ertz is going to see a ton of targets in the first couple of weeks of the season. You can probably yeah. get by with him. Friermuth, Cole Komet, Joku, there's guys to take shots on. I'm typically the guy to take shots on, and that's how I found Dalton Schultz in the first place because I was wrong about Blake Jarwin a couple years ago, and I just picked up the next guy on the Cowboys because I knew I just wanted the Cowboys tight end. It turned out to be some dude I had never heard of named Dalton Schultz, and I went, okay, let's go. And you know what? He Every year that dude gets better. But I, I'll tell you this. If you had to ask me where he finishes, I think he finishes as eight. So at the end of the day, I'm going to give it to McLateral because if I'm going to put money on the finish and it's not personal, I think the respect ranking he deserves is for, but I do like to wager. It's fun. It's a good time. It's legal in New Jersey where I live. So I'm a big fan, but I do believe what you're going to get is a, if you ask me, is he going to finish four or eight? Which one's it going to be closer to? I'm going to put the money on eight because there's too many other variables there for me that, that have me worried. And I mean, honestly, if we if we really think about it, the real winner here is Dalton Schultz. Folks listening. The real winner here is the audience for these wonderful, respectful debates and conversations. That's the real winner here. Come on. Too kind. Oh, let's go. Yes. Oh, and (laughs) thanks to everybody who decided to listen to another episode of this show. It has been an absolute blast. It's, 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 it's what we do, you know, and it's the lateral show on Twitter at the lateral FF, where you can find the show. Please leave us good reviews on the internet. I haven't figured out what that does, but I've been told uh, by the higher ups at the lateral corp that it's a good idea. The lateral bot has been pestering me about this. Just like, Hey, make sure people do the thing. Beep boop and being like really annoying about it. So just make sure that the lateral bot can stop yelling at me and leave these good reviews. Um, lateral I- bot gives five stars, two thumbs up. Yes, 100%. That is the, uh, the the conclusion, but we do outros, so it's not completely over yet, folks. If you want to make sure and stick around so you can identify all of us on Twitter, uh, this is the portion of the show where we do that. Joe, if people have never heard of you before inexplicably and <laughs> fell asleep at the beginning of the show and forgot where they can find you, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell those people the things that you do, where you are on the interwebs and all that stuff? Why would I ruin it for them? They've been so lucky enough in their life to avoid me all this time. Now it's just going to be downhill. Uh, you can follow me on the Twitter machine at JoePizzaPia17. You can check out the Fantasy Football Black Book now on Amazon, the most extensive dynasty coverage you're going to find anywhere. Scott Bogman crushes that section. You got uh, Andrew Erickson, Derek Brown, myself writing the major profiles for this book. Uh, it is, again, the labor of love. It's out there on Amazon. It's every year. It's the bestseller. You're not going to find something. we got 150 IDP profiles. Okay, nobody does that. 
Only the Black Book does crazy things like this. One book to rule them all. And of course, you can check me out on a little show called the Fantasy Pros uh, Podcast, which I host there. And of course, I do the baseball show every day there as well on the MLB channel. It's just called Leading Off. So I do that one. I do some of the betting pro shows there. And uh, of course, on Sundays, I host the uh, Sports Grid Sunday baseball show and the Sunday football show come football season. So uh, thanks for having me, guys. This was super fun. I'll come back anytime you want. This was a great time. Oh gosh, oh, this is so wonderful! Oh, just so, oh, I'm, so, I'm so emotional, Malcolm. You're gonna tell people where they can find you while I calm down. Well, everyone, it's your boy McLateral, AK McLateral FF on the Twitter. You can find me there, and there is actually somewhere else you can now find me. But first, <gasps> I want to thank oh. Joe for coming on here. Yeah. It is awesome having you here. I'm sure the Thanks, Venn diagram of people who listen to the Fantasy Pros podcast and people that listen to us is one big old circle. So I'm sure <laughs> you are a familiar voice in their ears right now. Uh, and I almost wish we had done this as a uh, video thing because that setup behind you is just fantastic. Absolutely. You guys, you're missing out, Beautiful but I'm thing. sure uh, I'm sure Joe's been on screen a time or two and you'll get to uh, mm. you'll get to see it at some point. Face but, for radio. Yet I keep getting on TV. I don't know. Yeah. Why. Just... Um, but yeah, so uh, as some of you may or may not be aware, uh, some big news. I am still going to do the lateral show with Herms, but I have started a position as a full time news writer for Tom's Guide, which is a tech website. So that is going to be. My day job going forward, I'm going to live my dream of being paid to write about tech, uh, which is just wild to speak out loud. So you'll still see some rankings from me. Uh, I may do some get spots on some other shows, and I will be doing the weekly podcast here with Herms, of course. But if you are looking for fantasy football articles for me going forward, I regret to say uh, they will be few and far between if, uh, if ever. So... Uh, thank you to everyone who has helped me get to this point. Uh, my time in the fantasy football community, I rest assured, played no small part in me getting this role. So, again, thank you to everyone and uh, can't wait to begin this new chapter. I'm just so happy because the, the reason we started the website, the defunct-ish website, I, it's a hub for my <laughs> rankings and that's it. <laughs> www.thelateralff.com was started so that way we could give ourselves a platform to eventually blossom into possibly being, you know, full-time doing stuff. But you did it in a different field, but you still did it. And for that, I just, I'm so proud. I'm for so the, proud. It worked. We for those it. for those who are lateral stands out there and remember the back catalog, the first thing I ever said in an interview, which was on the Bacon Games pod, was I'm here because nobody will pay me to write about public policy. And now I'm leaving because someone decided to pay me to write about tech. It's come full circle. There you go. Yes. So many good things. You got yourself that full-time gig. We'll see if Herms ever gets a full-time gig doing some fantasy football stuff. We'll figure that out in the future. But in the meantime, as you follow me on that journey, you can find me on the internet at HermsNFL on Twitter. You can't find me anywhere else. Please don't look for me anywhere else. I don't want to be your friend on Facebook. I really don't. I barely use Instagram. It's not the point. It's Twitter. It's at HermsNFL. Uh, I do this, and then I contribute over at Fantasy Pros. Uh, written stuff, it's it's a fun time. You can click on my words and then they appear on your screen and it's the whole thing. Uh, but I will say, just at least in terms of plans for the lateral moving forward, uh, this is kind of the last show we had planned for a little while because uh, 
for just you know, pull peel the curtain back you know big reveal as you can kind of tell i don't really have a lot of you know super concrete takes right now because my head's kind of in a frenzy mental health not really doing super well for herms it's the time of year where i think i'm taking this opportunity for myself to sit down reevaluate all of my rankings and stuff because this happens to me on an annual basis as somebody who deals with bipolar disorder one of the difficult things about doing this is that i get super invested in it i'm just like yes gotta build the rankings gotta build 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 build, do the thing and then i freak out and i'm like oh my god well, oh my God, this is all wrong. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, this doesn't make any sense. Oh, what do I do? Oh, gosh. So I get really in my head and I freak out and I realize I need to step away. I need to reevaluate everything that I know. And then I will come back fresh, updated rankings. Everything will make more sense. I'm just really in my own head and I got to take a breather. So if we don't hear a podcast for the next few weeks after that, that's why. But the goal is to be back by July, you know, especially because it's got fishbowl coming around. We'll try and help mm-hmm. you prepare for that a little bit. The training camp's going to open up. We'll try and prepare you for reading stuff about training camp. I don't know. The key information will be back. I am ending the show because I'm bad at ending the show. But I got to say, one of the things I'm very proud of, the cold close. Cold opens, like, I, the merits for both, I completely get it. But I... How many episodes of this have we done at this point? Oh, I mean, God, like, it's got to be... I kind of lost count yeah, after 69. I mean, yeah, um, there it goes. Yeah, that's... I'm. <laughs> Follow The Lateral on Twitter at The Lateral FF. Beep, beep.